doing episode 76 of the wide right podcast i'm your host ryan honey as always of elite sports new york and elite sports radio network oh 75 actually it's episode 75 see that's what happens when you don't release an episode for two months just about yeah a little uh a little under two months what have i been up to i've been a little busy okay a lot of stuff to write i moved bet you didn't know that i moved I'm not going to say where, but I had to do the whole thing, lifting, the, you know, the, the transporting the furniture and the bed. Obviously, that took like a day or two, and it happened like a month and a half ago already. But like, whatever. Been busy. A lot of stuff to do. But the reason I return to this microphone on my desk in my bedroom is because the preseason is here for the first time since 2019. Giants and Jets took part in their either team's first preseason game in two years, Saturday night. Now, I'm not going to go through and recap the game, mostly because there's not a lot of scoring drives to recap. These two offenses were not good last year, and they're still growing right now. You know, not everything's going to—I know the Giants have the new weapons, not that any of them really played last night. The Jets have the new coaching staff and the new weapons— but it's not all going to come to fruition right away. So the low scoring game, 12 to 7. Jets won. Okay, that's it. And one of the scores was defensively the safety at the end. Not a lot of offense, not a lot of stuff to recap as far as like, you know, a box score and, you know, what happened from the beginning to the end and things like that. However, speaking Giants specifically, there are a couple different things that I do want to discuss. Okay, couple issues. Now it's early, and I wouldn't worry about these issues, but I still feel the need to bring them up in conversation. Number one, before I want to preface anything, I would just like to say that I think it's a good thing that Clayton Thorson is not the Giants' starting quarterback. I think if you watched the entirety of that game last night, or at least up until the point where Clayton Thorson entered the game after Mike Glennon exited the game, obviously Daniel Jones did not play, it's clear Clayton Thorson is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think everybody would agree. I don't think a single person would disagree with that. No disrespect to Clayton Thorson. But he's just not... It's it's good thing the Giants don't have him as their starting quarterback. I mean, he'll, he, he could be a backup in this league if he wants to. 100%. Not a starting quarterback. I think if anybody didn't know that already, they certainly know it after watching last night's game. So I'll preface that. That's not one of the issues, by the way, I was going to bring up. But I'll just preface that before anything. Number one. The Kadarius-Tony issue. Obviously, I've been high on Kadarius Tony for a long time. If you follow me on Twitter, you know my pinned tweet is basically me hyping myself up when I said how the Giants should trade back and draft Kadarius Tony almost a month before the draft, mind you. And then, you know, obviously, I, I, I had to pin that tweet because my friend told me to, and, you know, I, I, I wanted to bask in my accomplishments and my great predictions, okay? I've been high on Kadarius Tony for a long time, and I still am. 
You know, I, I, I still think he's going to be a phenomenal talent for this team. I still think he's going to be someone who could certainly be utilized on the offensive side of the ball in numerous ways. And you could be someone you could be creative with as a play caller. We'll see what Jason Garrett does with that. Um, and he's someone who could definitely assist in the development, the crucial development, mind you, of Daniel Jones. But he has had a bizarre start to his NFL career. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. It's been a bizarre start. You had the placement on the COVID-19 list, the reserve COVID-19 list last month, uh, basically when training camp was starting. And uh, after that, he comes back. He's back with the team, back with the back in the building, back on the field. You know, there's going to be a ramp-up period. You're not going to throw him into the fire right away. Oh, he comes off the COVID list. You're throwing him out there and having him do everything that everyone else is doing right away. You need to ramp these players up. But he has had a strange ramp-up period where he's still not like a full-time... He, every, he He's not fully participating every day. There's some days where he's on the sideline or, you know... It, and I'm not at training camp, by the way. I like I'm, you know, I but I see the reports like everybody else. I see the, you know, I see the headlines like everybody else. I talk about the headlines like a lot of other people do, and what's going on. But he is at a strange ramp up period, and it only got a little bit weirder Saturday night, last night. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, by the way. I should have prefaced that. Um, it got a little weirder Saturday night. Tony did not play. Okay, I thought there was a chance he would play. I thought there was a chance maybe he wouldn't play for some reason. And it was the latter. He did not play last night. Nor did he take the field for pregame warm-ups. Like, that was a little bit of a mystery at the beginning. But then after the game, Joe Judge revealed that Kadarius had aggravated an injury in practice um, or whatever, and then, you know, he's gonna, hopefully he comes back this coming week, but Joe Judge said they do not have injured players on the sideline during preseason games. Uh, so that's why he did not come out, he was inside, I guess, for pregame warm-ups. But regardless, you know, I, even though that mystery is sort of solved why he wasn't on the field for pregame warm-ups, why he was in the build, inside the building, that mystery is solved. But regardless, Weird, weird, weird start to his career. Bizarre. I mean, when you talk, not just the injury, obviously, but when you talk about the in, you know the injury, the ramp-up period that's not consistent. Sometimes he's on the sidelines. Sometimes he's not in practice. And he's, it's all these different things. It's not, it's anything but smooth is basically what I'm trying to tell you. It's anything but smooth. And it's not always going to be smooth. I get that. I mean, Rashad Bateman is hurt. Um, I just watched part of the Colts-Panthers game earlier. Um, Quiddy Pay is not playing. He got he uh, got hurt this past week. It's not smooth. Always, you know. It, it, it's there's some setbacks. You're going into a new job, a new environment, a new team, a new level of the profession that you're in. You're going from college to the pros. It's not always going to be smooth. There's going to be setbacks. But regardless of that ideology, a bizarre ramp up period, a bizarre start to his career. And it's just, it's not, it's not smooth. That's basically what I'm trying to tell you. Kadarius Tony's start to his NFL career is not smooth. Now, could it become better? Absolutely. It's August 15th. Week one isn't until September 12th. Got, what's that? 28 days? 
until then, it could absolutely get better. And we hope it does. And we're banking on that happening. But who knows? With what's happened thus far, with everything I just talked about, who knows what could occur with with Kadarius Tony? I'm hoping it all works out. And I'm not saying that like, oh, it's going to be, you know, I think he's going to get like cut or become an absolute bust. That's not what I'm saying. I just, you know, I hope it, it's, I hope the transition becomes a little bit smoother in the next couple of weeks than it has been. So that's the first issue I have. Number two, everyone likes to talk about the offensive line. And I did as well. You could look at the article I posted on Elite Sports New York earlier today. Uh, go up there, check it out about the offensive line. People are uh, a little bit, I, I don't say they're freaking out about the offensive line. Let me just preface this. I used that word so many times already. I've been, it's been eight and a half minutes since we started recording. And I've already used that a preface like four times. Um, people are, I guess, concerned a little bit because last night Giants allowed five sacks, ten quarterback hits. Now that's not ideal. If you don't watch football, I could tell you that much. It's not ideal. Five allowed sacks, ten allowed quarterback hits. Not great. But we need to take a lot of things into context right now to prevent us from being overly concerned about the offensive line right now. Now I get like if you're I get if you're annoyed by the offensive line, you're impatient about the offense in regards to the offensive line. I totally get that. This offensive line hasn't been good in half a decade, even longer than that. You know, when's the last time the Giants had a consistently good offensive line? I'm thinking back to the, you know, David Deal, Rich Seibert days. Sean O'Hara, um, who else? Oh, Chris Snee, obviously, Kareem McKenzie, those days. Right? There's got to be an offensive line that was at least decent after that. I, you know, that, that's, the, that's the last great one that comes to mind. And that was, what, 08? 07, 08, 09? One of those years? Um, you know, that era, I guess. But I get it. If you're if you're impatient about the offensive line, if you're impatient in regard to the offensive line, if you're annoyed in regard to the offensive line, I get it. This offensive line hasn't been great in a long, long, long time. And every year it seems they have the pieces. Well, not every year it seems they, even in the years when they make changes to the offensive line and try to at least put the pieces together, it doesn't work out. Last year, they draft three offensive linemen, obviously Andrew Thomas in the first round, uh, Matthew Parrott in the third, Shane Lemieux in the fifth. All are projected to start this year. You know, but it's it, even when they put pieces in like they did last year, not everything works out. They drafted those three guys last year, and then they were the, what, 31st ranked offensive line in the NFL on Pro Football Focus, I believe. The, the, the bottom line is this. Offensive line hasn't been good in a long time, so I get it if you're impatient and annoyed. But after last night's performance, I don't think it's right to be worried about this specific offensive line unit right now. I don't. I don't think it's appropriate to be overly concerned about about what this group can bring to the table in 2021 right now. Because here's the thing. There's a couple different reasons. And again, I wrote about this on the SNY. You can go check it out. Shane Lemieux was not playing. Shane Lemieux, starting left guard, projected starting left guard. Um, he's going to start, we know. I mean, I know there's a quote-unquote empty depth chart, you know, in camp. But Shane Lemieux is going to start at left guard. We know that. Shane Lemieux suffered a knee injury early in training camp. Remember that? Missed 
you know, some practice time. So he did not play in the first preseason game last night. Kenny Wiggins, who's expected to be a reserve if he makes the team, um, started in his place. So I get that's only one person out of the five-man offensive line. But that's still an offensive line component. You know, the Andrew Thomas, Kenny Wiggins, Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, Matthew Parrott offensive line group doesn't exactly gel perfectly, that's fine. Just as long as the Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Hernandez, Parrott offensive line does. They were missing a notable piece of that offensive line. Shane Lemieux is one of the better pieces on that offensive line. They had nine starts last year. He was he probably performed I, I he probably performed better than Andrew Thomas last year. Nick Gates I would say is my favorite out of the five, but you know the one out of the out of the guys that are returning. But Shane Lemieux is a notable component of this offensive line unit, and he did not play last night because of this knee injury. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't freak out right now. It, this this group still needs to come together. This Hernandez Lemieux Gates her, um, excuse me. Thomas, Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, Parrott from left to right. That group needs to come together healthy and get their reps together and continue to grow and continue to gel and continue to build that chemistry, which they already have because all five pieces were with the team last year. That's the key. The key element of this offensive line is continuity because all five of these projected starting offensive linemen were on the team last year and worked with one another at one point or another last year. So they all have that chemistry both on and off the field. And they, that group needs to get together healthy for the regular season and build on that chemistry. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't freak out right now. One, because Shane Lemieux did not play, so they did not have the entire offensive line gelling together last night. Number two, it wasn't all bad when you talk about the starters. I mean, I understand, listen, depth is important. And I'll, say that, I'll tell you that more than anybody. Depth on the offensive line is important. Depth in the defensive backfield, extremely important. So when you have all, uh, offensive line reserves struggling, that's an issue. Now I don't want to. I don't want to put any. I don't want to throw anything away from that because you know it's not like you could say, oh, they're not starters. What's the big deal? But it's it is a big deal. If these reserves are struggling because those are the guys that are the next men up. If somebody goes down, like Lemieux did earlier in training camp, you know Andrew Thomas is coming off of uh, off season surgery. So it's these guys got to step up. However, what I will say is the starters, there were flashes, positive flashes, when the starters were on the field for the first couple series of the game. Andrew Thomas had the highest PFF grade of the offensive players. All the offensive players the Giants put on the field last night. Matt Parrott, projected starting right tackle, number two. Will Hernandez, highest pass pocket grade. Will Hernandez made a number of key blocks on Corey Clement first down runs. I was impressed with Will Hernandez last night. And Will Hernandez needs a bounce back year. That's a given because he's in the final year of his rookie deal. He had a rough, he struggled, you know, here and there the last two years. Lost his starting job last year after he, so he missed a couple games because of COVID. And then once he was back, the Giants coaching staff like Shane Lemieux at that left guard spot better. And so Will Hernandez lost his starting spot for the final nine games. Because obviously Kevin Zeitler was on the right side. Will Hernandez needs to bounce back here. If he wants to remain with this team. And he impressed last night. I could tell you that much. 
So I liked what I saw out of Thomas. I liked what I saw out of Pear, even though he did give up that one sack. And I liked what I saw out of Will Hernandez. Nick Gates obviously is going to be a reliable center. He was last year. Nick, Nick Gates was pretty consistent and reliable in 2020. We just need Shane Lemieux to come back. And this Giants offensive line should be fine. And number three, it's early. Don't sweat it right now. It's one preseason game. And it's it's mostly, and you know, you got, you know, Mike Lennon playing quarterback and Clayton Thorson playing quarterback. I mean, they're not as great under pressure as Daniel Jones probably is. So that's a factor in it. Uh, the Giants did not have their top three receivers playing. Um, Galladay, Shepard, and I get, eh, I would say top two. Tony seems like he may be a little down on the depth chart right now. Um, but regardless, three of their, you know, I guess, three receivers who are going to be relied on this regular season. Galladay, Shepard, Kadarius, Tony did not play last night. That's a factor as well because you could argue that they find space in the secondary and they get opened uh, in the secondary quicker than some of the reserve wide receivers that played last night. With the exception of Darius Slayton, obviously, who played. Um... Galladay, Shepard, Tony find space in the secondary and get open quicker than some of those receivers did last night, which is another factor. Because if you get open quicker, the ball can be released quicker, and that limits the effectiveness the effectiveness of the opponent's you know pass rush and pressure. That's another key element. So there's a lot of you could say what you want. You know the stat sheet says Giants let up five sacks, ten quarterback hits. There's context to it. Shane Lemieux wasn't there, so the entirety of the offensive line wasn't in the game. Uh, there were flashes of you know positive uh, tidbits and flashes from some of the starting offensive linemen, and you know it, it's a lot of ba- backups are playing. Backups are in the game. Okay, it's fine. They're going to be okay. I think that I, I hope I I at least hope they will. The offensive line. I think they're going to be fine. Uh. Number three, the defense. I thought the defense, the defense obviously played well. Listen, you're going against backups for you know the, the majority of the game, but you know the Giants had a lot of backups in as well. Only allowed ten points. Obviously, the other two points the Jets scored were from the safety. Um, shout out, that was a good play by Jonathan Marshall, rookie defensive tackle for the Jets. I think he actually could be a player. Um, I think there's some talent there, and he should make the team eventually. Uh, but as far as the Giants' defense is concerned, I thought they did a good job. I mean, they played mostly backups. You didn't see, you know, Leonard Williams was not in the game. Dexter Lawrence wasn't in the game. Uh, Blake Martinez didn't play. Adoree Jackson, Bradbury, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers. These guys didn't play. You know, Ziz Ajalari and Austin Johnson, I believe, are the only two projected uh Starter and you know Tay Crowder played as well. You could say Tay Crowder could potentially start. I think Tay Crowder is the favorite right now. Eh, maybe not. Mm. Tay Crowder is one of the favorites to win that starting inside linebacker job alongside Blake Martinez in a three-four scheme. But I will tell you this: I will tell you this much. I liked what I saw out of Reggie Ragland, and I liked what I saw out of Carter Coughlin. Let me tell. You, I've liked Carter Coughlin since they drafted him. I mean, when I when you do you do the research on these guys, you see Carter Coughlin, two-time second-team All Big Ten selection when he was at Minnesota. So this was twice where he was one of the top outside linebackers in the Big Ten, a conference that includes the Ohio States and the Michigan and the Michigan States, 
over the world. Wisconsin, Iowa, all these different schools. Penn State. This guy was one of the top linebackers two years in a row in the Big Ten. I thought he had a lot of upside and a lot of talent coming out of college. And last night, he certainly showed it. Carter Coffin's a player. And Carter Coffin, when it comes to that inside linebacker job, opposite of Blake, Mar- alongside Blake Martinez, if Tate Crowder is going to be the favorite, at least as of right now, Carter Coffin's going to give him a run for his money for that starting job. Now, I think Patrick Graham will play a bunch of them. I think there will be a rotation at that spot. Crowder will see time, and Coffin will, and Raglan will if he makes the team, and Cam Brown maybe as well, even though Cam Brown didn't play a defensive snap last night, only played on special teams. Um, I think Coughlin's going to give him Crowder a run for his money. I really do. I thought he played well. I think he has good positioning. I think he's always around the football. Um, I, I think he's got good tackling form. I think he's a multifaceted linebacker in a sense where he can uh, portray his talents when it comes to stopping the run, and he can also rush the passer. Had a sack last night. I think Crowder Coughlin's a player. And I think he's seriously going to give Tay Crowder. When it comes to this inside linebacker job, the starting job, I think he's going to give Crowder or whoever is number one at this point a run for his money. And I hope he does. And I hope he sees the field a lot this coming year because it seems like he's developed from last year. And he was pretty promising when he played last year, but it seems he's developed from last year and he's built on what was a promising 2020 rookie campaign. I really do. I'm rooting for Carter Coffin. I hope he, has a, I hope he sees a lot of time this coming season. I hope he you know, continues to improve. And it looks like that's definitely possible. Already looks better than he did last year. And he didn't even look that bad last year at all. I thought he had a promising rookie campaign. Looks a little bit better already. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I think it's tough to really, listen, it's tough to decipher what the starting offense and the starting defense are really going to look like right now. Because simply speaking, they didn't play last night. Jones, I, I just told you the, st- the defensive starters who didn't play, who didn't play, excuse me, um, on the offensive side, Jones didn't play. Those three receivers didn't play that I mentioned before. Galladay, Shepard, uh, Tony. Engram didn't play. Kyle Rudolph didn't play. Saquon obviously didn't play. Um, yeah, it's tough to decipher how this offense is going to fare and how Jason Garrett is going to fare as an offensive play caller because they don't have their guys, their top guys playing right now, which makes sense. Joe Judge said in this first preseason game they were going to uh, treat this first preseason game like the traditional fourth preseason game, which was always rookies and guys who are on the bubble of making the roster or getting cut. Like those, that that, that was the that traditional fourth preseason game was always like th- that game was for the rookies and the roster bubble guys, and so that's what the Giants treated last night as. That's why you saw really nobody, no, you know, n- not a whole lot of big names playing. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be like this coming week. They go to Cleveland. They have the joint practices, and then they have the game in Cleveland. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to be like. I do know that the third preseason game, so they have the joint practices in Foxborough with the Patriots, and then they come back and they play the Patriots in MetLife at, uh, at MetLife for the third preseason game. That's August 29th, a Sunday. That's going to be like the dress rehearsal game. So like how the traditional third preseason game is always like the dress rehearsal starters play the first half or whatever. That's what that's going to be. That third preseason game is supposed to be the dress rehearsal this year. So... We'll see. I mean, we'll see then. We'll get a good glimpse of, um, you know, what the offense can do when Jones is under center. And I'm not sure if Saquon's going to play that game. I, my guess is no, but who knows. 
um, you know, we'll, we'll get to see, you know, Shepard and hopefully Tony and Engram and uh, Galladay hopefully as well and many of the defensive starters. So I think that game against the Patriots, August 29th, is when we'll get a good glimpse of what this offense and defense could look like in the regular season, uh, which should be exciting. So, but until then, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 75 of the Wide Run. That's, that's insane. 75 episodes already. And I thought it was episode 76. I misspoke earlier. 75 episodes already. So thanks for those who are tuning, who have tuned in, continue to still tune in. Um, hopefully people tune in now. I, I know I haven't, I think this is like the longest hiatus I've ever gone on since I started the Wide Right Podcast in 2019. So uh, hopefully people tune in. But I'm going to be starting to, you know, the, the season's back. Football's back. You know, preseason is back for the first time in two years. Regular season starts in 28 days, four weeks, right? Yeah. Well, the Giants play in four weeks from today against Denver. A couple days before that is the opening game between the Cowboys and the Bucks that Thursday night. But see, the football's back, so I'm going to be back doing podcasts, okay? Try to do a couple a week like I did last season um, and uh, go from there. But without further ado, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 75 Wide Right Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y. Follow um, Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well. Uh, check out uh, EliteSportsNY.com. You can see all the Giants, Jets articles as well as Mets, Yankees, Knicks, Nets, and everything else. Hockey as well. Um, and as far as this uh, podcast is concerned, um, subscribe, listen, do whatever. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art Radio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs>